We've been in the series called Religion Rehab. This is week seven. This is the longest series we've ever done as a church, and I think it's been the favorite series we've ever done as a church um, because we've been talking about when it comes to religion and church, places of pain, of baggage, of bitterness, and how those have affected our faith and our relationship with God. And so next week is going to be the final week, week eight, and Doug's going to wrap it up kind of saying, okay, where do we go from here? As a church, what's the vision uh, as people who are rehabbing, as people that are healed and whole and are going to keep seeking to be healed and whole, what does this look like for us? So do not miss next week as we wrap this series up. Tonight, we have a special treat for you as we were talking through different areas of religion and faith that we thought need some rehabbing because a lot of us have baggage in these areas. One that popped up was worship. And uh, so the title tonight, what this message is called, or this conversation is called Why Worship? And uh, the, the question we're asking is, why do we do this? I think that worship is one of those things in church that is expected but rarely explained. And what I mean by that is not that when we start singing at the end, these guys are going to be coming around like, go ahead and put your hands up now. Notice you're not singing the words. Sing the words now. That, we don't expect that, right? We're not going to do that. But when you show up to church, worship's going to happen. You're going to be standing in the room while people are singing, whether you like it or not. It just is part of church, but rarely does anybody say, hey, here's why this is part of church. And so you may have grown up like, yeah, we just sing the songs. It's just what we do. Or maybe a friend brought you and you didn't have a lot of background or context for church. And you're looking around like, well, it seems like all the the people up there seem to get this worship thing. I don't, but I'm not going to ask anybody because it seems like everybody else does. So worship could feel exclusive to you. Like, well, maybe someday it'll click for me or I'll understand why we even do this. I don't know. Rarely does somebody explain it to us and what it is. And we want to get to the heart of worship uh, tonight. And I thought, why, why would I just do all the talking about worship? Because I, I need some serious rehab in this area and I don't know a lot uh, about the, the history of worship and where this comes from. And, and so why not bring up our worship leader who's devoted her life to creating an atmosphere of worship for us and who leads us every single week and let her do a lot of the talking. So Emily and I are going to have a conversation. If you would uh, welcome up our worship leader, Emily Franklin. Join, join me at the table of conversation. So um, I... I want to start by thanking Emily, saying thank you for being our worship leader. You are an answered prayer to our church, and uh, it's, you're talented, obviously, when it comes to music, when it comes to singing. We all see that, but I think so much more even than that, it's your authenticity, um, your love for people, that you're the same person when you're singing that you are when you're out hanging out with people and talking with us, that uh, you make worship approachable and real for our church. And the compliment that I have, uh, that sounds not like a great compliment, but that you're a normal person. And I say that as a compliment because sometimes I think baggage may have started for some of us with the people on the stage. And uh, worship doesn't feel approachable sometimes, or it feels like, well, that person's so spiritual, and they would never come like interact with somebody like me who doesn't maybe get it, or that person's so far off in the clouds that... I can't have a conversation with them because I'm just new to all this. But you're a person that just makes worship feel like, hey, this is just a normal part of church and a normal part of life and our relationship with God. So thank you for that. And we love having you as our worship leader. I'm excited to hear you uh, talk to this room about worship because I think that your, your heart is, is just so right and real for everyone to experience the goodness of worship. So thank you. Um, 
I'm, like I said, I'm rehabbing uh, worship myself in my life because of experiences I've had and things that I was not ready for run me the wrong way. And so um, I, I think that this Google review that we got kind of agrees with me that I wrote down and I uh, want to read exactly to you as the person who gave us this Google review wrote it. And I hope if I, ho I want that person to be at one of our services because it's such an honest, uh, really approach to worship that a lot of us feel, quote, I could do without all that singing, but the service is marvelous. Five stars, though. So we'll take it. Great job, parking team, cafe, I don't know. Five-star experience, except for 50% of the time I was there, I really didn't enjoy it. So It's probably the band. The band needs to step it up. Yeah, could be. Um, this is the one that gets filmed, so let's <laughs> rein it in, Emily. Uh, so, to that guy's point, worship is not Christian karaoke. It feels like that to some people, or it might just feel like a lot of singing. And for me, a lot in my life, I just kind of labeled myself like, I'm just not a worship person, I guess. I, that's just not me. There are those worship people. I'm just not one of them. And I don't know that that's really a thing that anyone should think. So I want to, as a worship leader, what is that? Because I know I'm not the only person in this room who has labeled themselves that way. Yeah. Uh, what does that sound like to you as a person who leads worship? Well, first of all, thank you for all the kind words, and thank you guys. It's an honor to be your worship leader, and I love you, and thanks for forcefully having to listen to me for a minute or two. Uh, yeah, I, I've gotten that a lot, and, and I hear that a lot. In fact, some of our some of the locations I've led up before uh, worship starts, and people just walk out, and I'm like, hey, cool, bye, see you later, thanks. <laughs> just my life. So, yeah, Ethan cool. was one of them, and then we had a conversation, so now we're fine. Rehabbing. So. <laughs> no, I, I think a lot of people say that, and I get it. Um, but I think before we go any further, it, it's best that we just define worship. Like, basic Google, type it in, definition, like, what is it? And so they'll put it up on the screen. But the most simple definition of worship is just the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity or to show reverence, reverence or adoration to a deity, which in our case as believers is God. Um, and so worship's the core of who you are. If, if you claim to follow Jesus, if you claim to be a believer, it's like in your DNA. It, it's who you are. And that can be anything. Um, Doug actually had a sermon a, a while back where he talked about um, sitting in his office like six in the morning playing his guitar and his dog Luna laying on the ground and saying that that's, that's some of the times that he feels closest to God. And that's worship. And, and for me, it's, it's a coffee conversation or a dinner with a friend where we go deep and we talk about life. And it, it just is like tangible. You're like, man, like God. God's here right now, or he's at least really pleased with this, like, that is worship. So it doesn't take music out of it, like, worship is your life. And, and so what I think is happening is, is when people say, I'm just not a worship person, it, it's probably more of, like, I don't understand how worship and music go together, or I just, like, didn't know that, that worship was in my DNA, and so it can be a little confusing to, like, mix music with it. That's good. There's so much more to worship than just singing on Sunday. It's every day of our lives. Uh, we're made to worship. Um, let's talk about music itself, because that's obviously the most obvious expression that we think of when we think of worship. And there's something to music. When we were preparing this today and we were discussing worship and music and songs and lyrics and all that, it's like there's, there's almost something about music that you can't even put into words. Sometimes there's things that are, are sung in a song or that you feel that you're like, I can't 
explain it. I just need you to like feel it and experience it. There's something about music. I think a lot of people that walk in here, maybe like me, that are resistant to the idea of worship in some way, all of a sudden, you're in the back like, yeah, I don't know what I think about this. And Emily starts singing and the band's playing and the song's going and you're like, what are you doing to me? I'm feeling feelings like, stop, get out of here, leave me alone. Like, I didn't come for this. And yet something through this music is speaking to me and moving in me. What is it about music that, that gets to like the depths of us as human beings? I think there can also be a temptation to be like, well, I'm just not a music person, too. And to that, I say not true, because I know all of you skipped church last week to go to ACL, and you flocked it, and I was personally offended by it. Uh, But no, I think music's powerful in a scary way. We came across this quote um, when we were prepping for this, and it says, music is the only thing that can enter your system, your mind, and your heart without permission. And that's like a little bit scary, but it's so true. I mean, we all know like the perfect song to like put on our playlist when we just want to go rogue in our feelings and like cry in the mirror. And if you don't do that, sorry, I do. And so I just need a minute sometimes. And like guys at the gym, like I see you with your AirPods in, like lifting your weights or this is not how you lift your weights, but like lifting your weights, it's a, whatever you do. It's a modified shoulder press. Yeah, yeah, Doug does but, that. <laughs> to Taylor Swift, he's got his song. I work out, obviously. <laughs> but no, like, music is powerful. And in the same way that, like, you have the songs or the music that you go to to feel what you want to feel, you have the music that you avoid because you don't want to feel something. Uh, and, and so, like, the second I sing, near, far, wherever you are. What movie? Titanic. See, Titanic, you think at the moment that Rose really betrayed Jack because there was room for all of us. <laughs> on that raft and she let him go. But if they would have started playing like Teach Me How to Dougie, sorry Doug, in that moment, like that would have been really weird. Like we know in our souls like where music meets a moment and and what makes it right. And if you put the right moment with the right music, you remember it forever and that's super powerful. So you said that music, you know, this is in our DNA. We were listening to this interesting teaching this week that was talking about the power of music and sound within us as human beings. And there's this thing called genomic music where they take the DNA of a person, which is like the genetic makeup, the formula of who you are, and they have transcribed DNA into song. And so the guy was talking about that in context of science and then the Bible, that our universe is in this constant state of vibratory motion, and that associates with it that there's a unique sound happening to it. It's the law of physics. And with that, all created matter, because there's this motion, has a unique sound to it, all matter, down to the atoms with sound waves within them. So he tied that to Genesis 1, verses 2 and 3, where it says, this is the creation moment, the spirit moved, so this motion begins of our universe, and God speaks, let there be light. And we always visualize what God's creating, what's happening in this moment, but we we don't think about the fact that sound is being created right now. And he was taking, tying that to this DNA idea and saying, God created you and your, your matter that came together in this moment, your matter that has been created that is in this moving universe and you have movement, which means you have a unique sound to you. And in light of the song idea with DNA that you may think of yourself not just as how God sees you, but that you are actually a song to him. That he, he puts sound into who you are, that he hears you, not just like the words you say, but that he hears you as this symphony unique to just yourself that he wrote, which is a beautiful way, I think, to think of ourselves as human beings and maybe speaks to why sound and music is deeply within us to a degree that we can't even 
explain at times. In the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis, in this creation moment, Chronicles of Narnia, what's funny about that? Um, cool books. C.S. Lewis, he, he starts the whole, this whole Narnia creation moment starts with the God character Aslan singing a song of creation. He sings this song. And so there's something about music and sound within us that maybe traces back to how God designed it and how we were made. And so if it's embedded within us, it's just part of who we are, there's us as worshipers. But then I think where a lot of the hangups come, okay, let's turn to God then. So why do we worship? Is God insecure? Is, are we trying to butter him up on Sundays? Like, why do we worship? Yeah, uh, so that question I actually struggled really, really hard with uh, for a long time. So a little, a little history on me. I, I grew up in the church, like was surrounded by worship music, did youth worship teams, like went to school. I wanted to do this my whole life. I wanted to lead worship. Uh, so I went to school to study it. And then probably about my senior year, out of nowhere, it felt like out of nowhere, this question just popped in my mind, like, why do you need me to do this? Uh, and it was hard for me because I'm like, okay, God, if I just like went around telling people like, can you just tell me how good I am? And like, can you describe me to me? And like, maybe put some songs to it and like sing it to me? Like, that just feels like gross. Like nobody would want to be my friend, right? Couple and guys so, in this church that probably do that in their spare well, time. <laughs> okay, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. The song of Emily. <laughs> okay, thank you. Anyway, um, but no, I like really struggle with that because I was like, God, this just doesn't, it doesn't feel right, but I feel like you've called me to this, and like, why not freshman year? Like, why now? Like, what the heck? Um, and, and something I feel like God taught me, I had a really cool mentor in my life, uh, and if you don't have a mentor in your life, get one. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Uh, I had a really cool mentor in my life that, that spoke to me, and she was like, Emily, I don't think that, that God has called you to this and that you struggling with this is like, a coincidence. I think if he wants to answer this question for you, that I think he wants to answer it for other people, and he wants you to lean into it, not run from it. Uh, and so I did, and, and it's going to sound like a quick fix, because I'm now going to tell you the solution that I came to, but it wasn't. It was a lot of, like, struggling and, like, leading worship when I was like, I don't even know if I believe what I'm saying. Um, but what I feel like I've come to is there's this it's not about you movement, I think, that's happening in, in the church, like the Big C Church, and, and, and meaning well, right, because is God worthy of our praise? Absolutely, but it's a relationship that he set out with us to have from the beginning, and, and if, if he wants relationship with us, then absolutely it's for God, worship's for God, but I think it has to be for us too, um, at least in some, some form it's for us too, because you go back to the original intent was God to have communion with us, right? We see Adam and Eve, they walked with God, and then the fall happens, and that's where everything gets messed up, but True worship is like what brings God the most glory. And, and I think when we come into a moment of communion with him, it, it does that. And I think worship is a really cool avenue um, to do that. And I don't think that God's up there needing us to tell him who he is. Like he knows he's good. But I do think it does something to my heart when I decide to like speak it out loud. Because I think I, I'm fickle, I'm human, and I can forget. Uh, and I gave this example earlier. I was like, Ethan, if Zeke, like, when Zeke's able to talk because he's a baby, and if you talk now, that'd be really scary. Amazing. Um, but, but if Praying he came up to you, <laughs> okay. 
he came up to you and he was like, like, Dad, you're awesome, but I'm just, like, I'm not. And Dad, like, you're really, really cool, and you're so good at kickball, Dad. But I just, like, <laughs> like I, I'm not. I suck, Dad. You like, I feel like a father's heart, which I don't know. I'll never be a father. But, <laughs> but God, like, calls himself Father, right? And then I feel like a true father's heart, at least this side of heaven, and he's way more perfect than we are, um, is to, to seek good things for your kid and for them to believe, like, who they are, right? We talked about identity worship being in our DNA earlier, and I think... The whole point is, like, no, like, we, we t- he doesn't need to know who he is. He knows, but he needs us to, like, tell ourselves that because it brings us in alignment with that. We need, we need to remind ourselves of who he is. Yeah. yeah, that's good. I hope that my son will have a better compliment for me than about kickball. <laughs> that was a plug for the kickball tournament. But maybe I'll take it. But, uh... <laughs> It's, it seems like in this series, we keep coming to these things that have felt for a lot of us because of religion and church like hollow methods. Like whether it's obedience or it's repentance or it's worship, it's felt like this thing that's like, no, just do it for God. Just do it for God. And I, it's refreshing to hear you as a worship leader say, like, no, you should be getting stuff out of worship. Like we're not just doing this like, because God says so, but it's part of the relationship. And, and that these things, instead of hollow methods, are actually gifts from him to help us know him better, to help us live fuller lives. That's, that's at the heart of why he gives those things to us, because he is a good father. Uh, and, and we see that through history, right? So in 2019, we didn't invent at Red Rocks Church singing songs to God. So talk a little bit about, like, if God embedded music and sound within us all the way back when he created us, give us some history of how we see music uh, start to become a primary form of worship. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. We see Moses, um, the Bible, there's a song actually in the Bible called the Song of Moses. And, and I'm going to hit a bunch of like random pieces of scripture. And so go go seek that out for yourself and like dive more into that because for time's sake, we're just going to touch on it. But um, all the way back to Moses, the Bible tells us that Moses actually wrote three songs within his time. And, and the first one was like a triumphal, like a thank you song. And it was when the Israelites were coming through the Red Sea and it was like a victory and they praised God for what he had done. Uh, the second is a prayer uh, between God and Moses, and the third is kind of like a prophetic warning that, that happens. And so um, the Bible could have called this anything, but they called it songs. And, and then we move on into Joshua, where the Israelites are facing the Battle of Jericho. And the, the last time, they're given instructions to march around the building for seven days, and then the last time, seven times. And, and the last time they, they march around, uh, they, shout, they shout, and then they sound trumpets, and then the walls fall down. Um, so we see it here is like, this thing that like brings a battle to an end and is like a victory, like their their praise, their worship, their song, like brought walls down literally. Uh, and then into David, like this is probably one of my favorite places in scripture that we we see song brought up. And it was so David was anointed to be king, but it wasn't his appointed time yet. Saul was still king at this time, and um, the Bible tells us that Saul had a spirit that had been tormenting him, and he was like, "Go out and find someone that can play music for me well. I, I need this." And so they find David, bring David to Saul, and and we hear that that as David plays music, that the the spirit that torments Saul leaves and that his soul is refreshed and so it's like it's healing too um and I love that David goes on to write the psalms and so you read the psalms we read them now they're really poetic and they're great but they were songs and and they go from like thank you God you're great to like woe is me I'm terrible and like lament and and praise and so we see this all throughout the history of God's people in the Bible that that songs are being used for, for many different avenues of life and then bringing it now to early church um 
well, present day church and early church. So the first songs that we use in church are, are hymns. And, and we all probably hear the word hymn and, and you think like old sounding songs that people sing really weirdly and weird harmonies in church. Um, but, but in the time that these were written, like Bibles weren't printed as quickly and, and with as many as we have today. And so instead of having like Bibles, ways to remember scripture was to put it to song. Like we know that like basic human, like thought process, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like we all know, like you put something to a song and you remember it. So there were simple, simple melodies with scripture attached that they could sing as a church and they could carry with them um, throughout their weeks and, and whatever it may be. And then over time that has evolved into, as we've gotten more technology and, and evolved as people, like into the, the worship we have in church today. And it's awesome. There's always different expressions of worship in different parts of the world, different time periods. Some of the things that first ever caught my like realization of like how real God was, was seeing people worshiping the same God in a totally different language, in a totally different way than I had known. And they're just so passionate and in it. And so here in 2019, in our Western culture, we have kind of our expression of worship. Every church is a little different, but it's similar in our culture. Let's go from the church kind of worship set that we do to the individual expression within that. So when I walked into church as a junior hire to a church with lights and loud music and people were getting into it, I was looking around like, what is with these weird Christian people? Like, why are they lifting their hands in the air? Why is that person down on their knees sobbing right now? Like, what is going on in this room? And it's another place where I feel, I feel like expected but never explained. Yeah. And so uh, we were kind of actually joking about it as a staff this week, the progression of expression where you, you kind of walk into church and you're seeing things you're like, I guess I'm supposed to do something during this song beyond just singing. So you're like, okay, and you're like the juggler. Like, yeah, okay. And, and then, you know, we got like the, the mom hip pat, kind of like, yeah, I'm into this a little bit, the percussionist, like not going to do too much, but I'll keep the beat. And you start to feel a little more bold, and all of a sudden you're like, what's happening here, arm? <laughs> now you're the waiter. Like, wow, I'm extending this, okay. Uh, Doug, Doug came up with the, the one-arm pirate where you're like, okay, I got my hand out. My eye patch on. I'm still looking around, though. Like, are my, what are my friends thinking right now? Seeing me kind of do something about this worship. Uh, offbeat clapping is a classic in every church. That's my favorite. Yeah, you love that. <laughs> Drummers love that, too. Right, Aaron? Um, then, it, then Emily's like, hey, you know, put your hands up. If, if you're comfortable, raise your hands. And you're like, boom, did it. Like, T-Rex. <laughs> Technically, I did raise my hands, Emily. My hand is above my elbow. I have raised it. I've done the bare minimum. We, we got, you know, the high five, the, the big high five, or the touchdown point. That's, I know that's a personal one that I sometimes am like, well, all for you, God. This victory that I'm winning right now. I'm running into the end zone in this moment. It's all for you. And then the end of the progression, the Scott Stapp. You're all so many people that don't even know Creed with arms wide open. Just it's a great song. Go look it up on Spotify. You'll be like, this guy's voice makes me want to put my head through my own windshield. Uh, Creed, check it out on Spotify. Sorry, that was a little dark. Um, but it was one of those bands that you're like, no, dad, I can listen to this. They're Christian guys that sing this song. They're Christians. And your dad's like, you want to listen to this? All right, be my guest. Just not in my car. So anyway, go look that up this week. Sorry, Paul. I know you love Creed. Um, 
anyway, Scott Stapp was the lead singer, and they had a song called With Arms Wide Open. There's your context, so write that down. Um, anyway, we're getting off the rails here. Uh, when it comes to expression in worship, we as individuals, we see it happening in church. What is that? Why is that happening? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a few things. You always hear me say, like, come on, lift our hands. This is a sign of surrender. And, and that is, too. Like, that's, like, basic number one knowledge. Like, okay, I'm going to lift my hands, sign of surrender. Like, that's the easiest way to explain it. Uh, but I think it, it goes a little deeper than that. I think throughout, like, just being humans, like, there's something about, like, acting yourself into a feeling, right? And so I think this, to me, like, if I do something physical with my body, like, I don't know the scientific explanation behind it, but I know that when I choose to, like, make a physical, like, shift, it, it does something to my heart, and my heart catches up to it. Um, it just does, and, and we see that in a lot of areas in life. Like, you take a step, and then things follow suit. It's like a faith thing, um, but also, I think, for the unbeliever, right? Like, I think people coming in and seeing our expression of affection towards towards God, and, and that that's a process. That's how we go through, like, T-Rex to to whatever you want to call it. Like, it's an, outward, an inward thing being expressed outward. So expression of affection, I like that better than progression of expression. <laughs> Cross that one out and write down expression of yeah. affection. I think that's, that's right. Like, there's something in me. God is so good. He's working in my life. I'm grateful for who he is, what Jesus has done for me, the freedom that he brings I just, like, I've got to do something. Like, your body wants to respond. And there is something amazing in the moment where you just freely can do that. And when it comes to affection, it's kind of like I want to grab Zeke and just squeeze him and, you know, kiss him on the head. But I'm like, what, what's going on? There's just this affection that you feel and you have to do something about it. The same is the difference of an interaction with my wife. If I'm sitting on one edge of the couch, she's on the other edge, not looking at her, monotone, just talking, having a conversation versus... If I'm sitting next to her, I'm holding her hand, I'm looking her in the eye, we're having a conversation, I'm expressing myself, how different those two interactions look because of the affection that is being drawn out of me with a response. Um, but one of the things as we talked about that, I think there is that feeling of pressure sometimes in church. Uh, and you kept talking about the importance of authenticity when it comes to worship. Speak to that because it's not do this because yeah. somebody told you or because somebody else is doing it. Talk about authenticity. Yeah. It's never, I feel like, anytime we're like, come on, lift your hands, or do this, never a command, it's always an invitation, and, it, and if this, this relationship between us and God is, in fact, a relationship, and worship is, like, a key of access to that, um, I, I think really all relationships, like, have their ebb and flow, and they have their process, and they take their time, right, so authenticity, like, don't try to, like, be where you're not, because you think that we want to we want to see something from you. Like, if you're a T-Rex, be a T-Rex, you know? Like, uh, and, and that, that's a funny thing to say, but I think, like, if you're hurting, be, like, hurt, that's okay. Like, if you're doubting something, doubt, that's okay. Like, there's room for it. Uh, and it's not like, oh, once I get to the arms wide open, like, I've arrived, and now every song, all song long, like, I have to be like this, or I'm not, like, reaching my full worship potential. <laughs> like, I feel like if Ethan walked around holding Steph's hand all day long and never let go, I'd be like, dude, that was a little weird. Like, maybe let her go. Like, back off. You need but some space. Ti Titanic said to never let go. But he did. And then did. she's like, but never she let did. go. <laughs> Psych. Gotcha. See you, Leo. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here with you. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I just, I think, like, 
relationships relationships and it's not like once you hit this point you've arrived and you stay there like the whole time and sometimes for me like I'm up here lifting my hands but like when I'm out there like I might want to go to the back and like just close my eyes and absorb what's happening and I think there's ebb and flow there there's seasons where where you feel one way seasons where you feel another And, and there is obviously like a time to like push out of your comfort zone as in any relationship right like the first time you like hold somebody's hand like it's uncomfortable and you're like oh god I don't know but then you do it and it like it shifts something and I think that's the same with our relationship with God like in worship like okay I'm going to trust you with this next piece of my heart or I'm going to I'm going to go farther than like in my heart with you than I've gone before you know and, and I'm going to trust you with a new piece of myself and so don't don't be anywhere you're not and I don't want you to ever feel like like, I'm trying to manipulate you into being somewhere you're not. It's always an invitation, because I do think sometimes we need a little push. Like, especially if we're all in here looking around, like, I want to raise my hands, but everybody's looking at me, and I don't want to be the only one. A lot of times that's me being like, hey, let's all do it so that we can all feel comfortable, and, and you don't have to feel like you're, like, I don't know, put on blast. So to that point, I remember as that middle schooler at this church, this group of young adults that always sat in front of us, and they seemed so cool to me. And a lot of them weren't really into church. They were going for whatever reason. But there was one guy who you could tell was the cool guy in the group. And he just was unashamed in worship. Just like got after it and was expressing his affection and didn't care about his friends that weren't into it. Didn't care, it seemed like, what anybody else thought. And I remember seeing that and thinking, like, I want, if I'm going to believe in God and have a relationship with him, I want to feel that kind of passion. I want to I not care what anybody else thinks because I'm so passionate about God. And, I, and years later, as a college student, finally breaking through all the, the head games and, you know, the progression or whatever it is, and just having like free moments yeah. in worship. And that's what I would say happens when it's just authentic and you're, you shut out the distractions and you can just let go and be like, I don't care. Uh, I just want to experience this moment with God. And the freedom that comes from whatever that looks like in the authentic expression was life-changing. Yeah for me, and it took a little push. Like, hey, tough guy, maybe sing a few words. Maybe put your hands up in the air. I I needed that. Um, But I think that is a distraction a lot of the time. It's a challenge for a lot of us in worship because there are people around us. And so that brings me to the question of why do we do this in a group every single week? Why do we worship corporately? Yeah, I mean, I I, I said it earlier. We, We walk in here carrying, like, a lot of different stuff, right? And the odds are that all of us in this room are not all in the same season of life right now at the same time. And back for me, when I was going through that really tough season of, like, questioning God and, like, are you good? Like, I, it was really hard. I mean, I, I didn't, I don't know, I wouldn't call it necessarily depression, but it was, like, a dark place that I went to. Uh, and I think one of the things that helped me that was, like, the simplest thing that I didn't expect to help me as much as it did was I had a friend in college. Her name was Nicole. And Nicole's, like, the most bubbly, joyous, like, almost, like, oh, my gosh, sit down person, like, you've ever met in your life. Like, but her love for Jesus was so real. And, like, she knew him. You know, like, you ever meet those people and you're just like, oh, you know, like, you know him. And I would watch her in worship and she was just so happy and like her relationship with God was so authentic and I was in a season where I was questioning everything about mine and being able to look at her and be like I know that's real and if God is who I think he is and he is good and his plan for all of us is to know him like that then then seeing you be there gives me hope that like I can have that too and I can pull from the strength that you have that I don't have right now. And so I think that that's the same for corporate worship, right? Like, obviously, like, please take, if this is the only time you worship, like, 
I mean, God's not mad at that, but I think your relationship will stay here. So take your, your own private time of worship. But, but the beauty and, and the body and the gift that God has given us in, in a congregational worship is that, like, we, we get to be strong for each other. Like, it, we worship for our neighbor, too, and they're able to draw strength from us. And for an unbeliever or somebody who doesn't know Jesus walking in, I think we spend a lot of time, like, afraid that we're going to freak them out. And, and I think inauthenticity, like, we'll do that. But I think if, if we're authentic and, and we're real, there's just something so contagious about the presence of God when it's real and it's tangible and it's seen through someone else that, like, somebody wants that, you know. So that's my best shot at that. That's great. And we're called to do it together. We're called to be in community. The walls of Jericho didn't just fall for Joshua. They fell for everybody that was in that worship together. And so walls maybe are coming down for people around you through your worship. It's powerful and meant to be done where you can draw strength from somebody else. It's well said. Uh, Let me hit you with some rapid fire questions. You ready? Sure. Okay. Your favorite question that you have said you get asked so many times every single week. Emily, what is your favorite worship song to lead? I hate that question. Uh, if you've asked me that question, I love you, and I'm so sorry. Thank you for trying to see me and know me. Um, <laughs> thank you. No, I don't hate the question. I think it's just hard for me to answer uh, because it changes so much. Like, it's not, it's not about a song for me. That's the cheesiest Christian line. Worship's more than a song. Write that down. Uh, <laughs> put it on a t-shirt. Ugh. No, uh, just kidding. But anyway, but seriously, like, I think it, it changes over time with me depending on the season of life that I'm in and what, what feels the most, most authentic to me and what I'm able to sing from, like, the deepest place of my heart or, or, like, lead from the deepest place of my heart. Like, that would be my favorite song in, in the moment. But I don't have, like, one that's, like, my favorite. So how about right now in our church, nine months old as a church, we're in religion rehab. There's healing happening in this place. What's the song right now that you think speaks to this place? Um, I think the song Make Room. We did it last week, and we're going to do it again in a little bit. But um, it's just simple. The words are simple. And I think it speaks to not only, like, the series that we're in, but, but life in general. It just says, like, I'll make room for you, God, to do whatever you want to do, and shake up the ground of my tradition, break down the walls of my religion. And I think that's something not only... That is, we need to sing in this season as we go through this series and we check our heart with like our hurts and our hangups and, and, and all of those things. But I think it's a, it's a posture that we can then take and like pour into the other songs that we sing or into our other areas of worship. Like God, make, I'm going to make room for you in my coffee dates. I'm going to make room for you. Like when I'm playing sports, I'm going to make room for you when I'm just like hanging out by myself and, and, and reading or whatever it may be, like shake it up. Like don't let me hold so tight to to all of the things that I've got in my head that, that you are or, or that worship is and I want you to shake up shake up the ground of like my, my life um, how about this I wonder this sometimes you sing you do worship three times every Sunday three services and yet every single service feels so authentic in our church how do you like what helps you to make it about worship every single time and not Christian karaoke and not going through motions but an authentic experience of worship every time. How, what helps you? Yeah. Um, well, I think it, it's you guys. Like each each service, it's a whole different group of people with a whole different life and, and carrying different struggles and different joys and different burdens. And and so that's like that's easy. Like if I mean what I say, and that it, it's to bring strength 
from each other and to bring healing to our pain and to have a moment of like connection with God, then that that's like fresh each time and it's fresh with each set of people that come in here. And so it's really fun, like from where I sit to get to like watch that happen for you guys. And so, yeah, that's easy. What are some moments going off that of this church where you're just like, man, this is good. This is this is getting at after the heart of God. This is worship and pure and authentic moments. What are those for you? Yeah, um, this is going to make me sound really creepy because I'm like, I see you. <laughs> but no, I think like there's something that, that just happens on a person's face when something takes place inwardly. And I get like the incredible honor of standing here and like being a part of that process for, for you guys and getting to watch it as it unfolds. And so it's like a moment when someone like has been here as long as I have, right? And, and they walk in the door and the first week they're like, what is happening? And they're looking around and then the next week their eyes are closed and then the next week like their hands are raised. And, and it's not necessarily the progression of the outward things, but it, it's what I get to see taking place in their heart. And I know that God is doing something and it's looking out and seeing like right after a sermon, like we're we're wrapping up and we're getting ready to start worship and someone is just like crying like because God's doing something and so getting to see that like on the faces of you guys is like oh so so good so good so before we get to uh, some songs I want you to just close this out just preach a little bit to us as our worship leader your vision for us as worshipers for our church uh, to, to be authentic and, and what it looks like for, we have people in this room right now that are like, I don't even, I'm not into this church thing. My friend just brought me. We have people that have baggage that, that say, Hey, I'm just not really a worship person. A lot of questions. What do you, what do you say to us as a church body about your vision for worship in this place? Man, we're fighting a battle guys. Um, not like the walls of Jericho battle, but but a very spiritual battle. And I think it's easy to, to forget that sometimes that there is spiritual stuff like warring for our heart. Like the Bible is very clear that there is a real enemy and he sets out to steal and kill, kill and destroy us. And, and he does that by like speaking lies over our life. And I think God has given us this gift, right, of the body and this gift of music that reaches into the soul in a way that we can't do on our own. And we attach true words to that like it does something. So I guess my challenge for you would be like, one, be aware, like seek to be aware and lean in, like lean in and don't be where you're not. Like just, I don't, I want this body to, to be a body that feels the freedom to, to have questions and to have doubts. But at the same time, like we are strong when our, our neighbor is weak and we do this together and we fight together. And I want Red Rocks Austin to be a place of healing. And that's like all across the board and worship's just like a tool that helps us tap into our souls to be like the healed whole, like in tune with God, people that, that we need to be to receive like a message or to receive like a, a friend, like whatever it may be. Like, yeah, be aware and, and lean in. All right. I'll let you take your time to get over to your microphone and get dialed in for some, some worship. Um, we cut a song up front so that we could have an extended time of worship here at the end. And um, somebody's like, gosh, the first time I come to this church and we've got extended worship, come on, guy. Well, here's my challenge to you. Like Emily said, don't be where you're not, but seek to have an authentic time of experiencing God. 